0: SGA's got to move quickly, gets across the timeline, puts a move on, steps back, shot on the way, is good! SGA regains the lead for the Thunder at the perfect time on a little step-back jumper with
1: 1.4 seconds left. Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. The Thunder kicked off the regular season, but in dramatic fashion. Nick and I are reliving a wild finish to the Thunder's regular season debut and the lessons that the Thunder could take away from its first win of the season. And be sure to hang around for our first You Can Shay That Again segment of the second season of the podcast. So much to talk about today. Let's get right to it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. Well, 2020 is winding to a close, but Thunder Basketball is gearing up in full force. We're recording this on Monday, December 28th, which means, Nick, it's game day. The Thunder faces the Utah Jazz for the first time in Chesapeake Energy Arena in their home opener. Should be a pretty good game tonight.
0: Yeah, we're coming at you at the very outset of a home-home back-to-back. Usually we, we give you a day or so in between games, but we had to talk about the season opener out at Charlotte. The Thunder played and won in the very first game of the season. They thought it was going to be the second game of the season, Paris, but they went in there, cool, calm, collected, and got the W, even though it was kind of a harrowing game.
1: They have a big act to follow tonight after a a pretty wild way to start the season in Charlotte. Like you mentioned, they thought they were going to start the season against the Rockets on the 23rd, but according to health and safety protocols by the league, that game got postponed. And then the Thunder turned around and faced a Charlotte team. And they came out a little bit rusty, Per kind of expected, you know, trying to get their rhythm and their flow going early on. And it was, a, it was a high and low, a lot of swings, a lot of runs in that Charlotte game. And it led to a pretty intense fourth quarter for this team.
0: Yeah, kind of a shootout early on. The Thunder's defense wasn't exactly on point uh, at the beginning of the game. They did have a really great practice on Christmas Eve bouncing back from that situation in Houston, but still just kind of getting their legs, um, given that they hadn't played a game yet. Charlotte had. Uh, and then the second half completely turned things around and put themselves in a position up 13 late in that game. And yet suddenly when it came down to there being nine seconds left, the game was tied, Paris. How did that happen?
1: It was a a combination of a couple of things. And the first thing was with about two minutes and 15 seconds left, there was a series of four consecutive turnovers by the Thunder. And what happened on the other end, Charlotte didn't necessarily convert immediately, but boy, they got hot. And when I say they, I mean Miles Bridges got hot, knocked down three consecutive three-pointers. And next thing you know, the game is tied with only seconds left on the clock.
0: Yeah, Bridges has only hit one three in the entire game prior to that and then rips off three triples right there at the end. The Thunder missed a few free throws as well in addition to the turnovers. And so that set the stage. Thunder calls timeout, 9.7 to go, put the ball in SGA's hands. And Mark Dignall said, "Shay, when there's six on the clock, you go. And Darius Baisley told us after the game, when Mark said that, he just started to envision already that jumper going in for Shea. Shea brought down court, did that lefty in and out dribble, crossed over to the right hand, stopped and popped on a dime, lifted off that right foot as he went up with the righty jumper and swished in a 23-footer two-pointer to send the Thunder to its first win of the year.
1: I want to talk about this move a little bit because it was it was pretty dirty. So he came down, had the ball in his left hand, and you could tell he was like pretty much assessing his defender at this point. Hits him with that left-handed in and out. And he told us after the game that that's a move that it's in his bag that he likes to go to when it comes to isos. And it's something that had worked for him so far during the game against Charlotte. And so he used it again. It was a trusty move so far that game. Hit him with the in and out and then crossed it over. Sent his defender back stumbling. Gave him all the daylight he needed to knock down that shot.
0: And the interesting thing is that the Thunder actually started the possession in the backcourt as opposed to advancing the ball up the floor. And one of the reasons is really clever by Mark Dignall, gave Shea a head of steam, an ability to run down the floor and put the defender on his heels. Cody Martin, the Charlotte defender, was backpedaling so fast that Shea realized that if he stopped on a dime, he was going to have plenty of space to rise up and knock down that jumper. Say the Thunder advances that ball up into the half court that opportunity is probably not there because Martin isn't going so quick uh, on his heels. So really, really clever, smart job by Shea to, to utilize it. And great job by Mark Dagnall, rookie head coach in his first game, creating that opportunity.
1: And heard about this after the game that Mark Dagnall calm, cool, collected poised in that huddle. And it was his NBA debut. So there was a lot to be said about how he handled that huddle and that really late game close situation. But Nick, the team also needed to get a stop because there were still 1.4 seconds left left in this game after Shea hit that shot.
0: Yeah, and fortunately they did and uh, did a nice job of defending the inbounds and forcing a a tough heave with that little time on the floor. And and I think both those plays, especially after a tough stretch of defense in the first half, a slew of turnovers late in the fourth quarter, it really was an example of the Thunder coming with the right mental approach to those Mm -hmm. final possessions not letting themselves getting distracted or upset by what had happened prior to that. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but just it's more at this point for this team about the approach rather than the results. So yes, Shea's 23 footer drop. And yes, the the heave by Charlotte did not go down in that final second, but what's really important is the way that the Thunder approached this situation, even if those things hadn't happened.
1: That's a really good transition into kind of our next, our next topic here. Nick, this is a really good situation for the Thunder where not only do you win the game, but you also have a lot that you can learn from it and a lot of areas of improvement that were highlighted throughout the game. And so the Thunder had an opportunity during practice yesterday to really kind of extract all of those lessons and make the most out of them. But doing that with a win is kind of like the best of both worlds here. So there were a couple of lessons that the Thunder learned in that Charlotte game that they're going to want to work on going forward this season.
0: Yeah, we've heard that phrase you know, since you've been here, Paris, quite a bit, win and learn at the same time. And that's that's always the best thing to do. And so you're exactly right. There were some great lessons about getting back into transition. There were times mm-hmm. that you know guys are marking their own man as they're getting back in transition. But sometimes what that does is it doesn't help clog the floor enough in transition defense for the guy that maybe has the ball or somebody else that's cutting or somebody that's flying out to the corner. And so a lot of times transition defense is more about just getting back and getting to a spot as opposed to staying in line with where your man is. And I've seen that a lot in watching basketball over the first few days of the season, Paris, where you see, especially young guys, they're tracking back. They're looking at their guy, their assignment. They Mm -hmm. want to make sure that they're keeping tabs on them. Even if they're not a three point shooter, even if they're not a guy that's really putting any pressure on the defense at all. And so that's something early in the season. I think everybody's kind of just getting back in those good habits. uh, And that's something that the Thunder wants to do.
1: Yeah, and Charlotte's a team that the Thunder knew coming into it that they wanted to play fast. It was a really fast-paced game. And you could tell, that, you know, especially in that first game of the season, the Thunder had a lot of time between their last preseason game and their first regular season game. So, you know, it was a lot of, you know, conditioning and a lot of a windedness <laughs> from what it looked like from our perspective of trying to just trying to keep up with the pace of the game as well. But the other thing that I think the Thunder could really learn from this opportunity and something that Coach Dagnall mentioned after the game was just bringing that defensive force and thrust for 48 minutes. Consistency is something that Coach Mark preaches a lot when it comes to this team. And obviously they didn't have a lot of time to play before their first game. But now that they've seen what that effect can have when you just don't, your defender doesn't feel you the entire game or you don't come out with the same amount of thrust or force throughout 48 minutes and how that can kind of really affect the flow of a game and a lot of runs in the team and the other team's direction. So coming out with that force, keeping it consistent and making sure the other team feels you is something I think the Thunder really wants to turn up in these next couple games.
0: Yeah. And that's something that Paris, they're going to need to do regardless of the opposition. What I did find kind of fascinating about the Charlotte situation last season, the Hornets averaged the fewest possessions per game of any team in the NBA. Yet in this first game of the year, they come out, they're trying to push the pace on both ends of the floor. They're pressuring almost full court defensively. And then they're trying to race up the floor, getting transition fast break points. So I think something from maybe a scouting perspective, that was unique for the Thunder some of these younger guys particularly I think of Poku and Teo Maldon those guys had never played an NBA game let alone played an NBA game where a team is trying to play at that high of pace that high of tempo pressuring full court and so really kind of throwing those guys into the fire was a great opportunity to test them on exactly what you're talking about can you bring that force can you be felt every possession defensively and do that for 48 minutes
1: The interesting thing here is, and I'm glad you brought up the rookies because I think this is going to be a big thing for them as well, you have to make them feel you but also limit silly fouls. So there is a really tough balance to strike there where you're playing with that force and that intensity on the defensive end but also limiting the fouls and the silly, ticky-tack, touchy fouls that you glean when you do stuff stuff like that. Nick, you've been in this league a long time. You've seen guys throughout the Thunders tenure here have to kind of strike that balance, especially when they're young, they're athletic, they want to be felt, they want to make their mark. I mean, how tough is that to kind of strike that balance?
0: Extremely, but actually all goes back and starts with something that we discussed earlier, which is getting back and being in position early. You have to do your work early in this league. I remember Kendrick Perkins, Nick Collison, Stephen Adams, especially the bigs talking about how you have to beat – the opposing big man down the floor to establish your position first. If you're being dictated to on the defensive side of the ball by the offensive player, you're going to have a really hard time not fouling because you're playing catch up to the play the entire time. That's why you see big men sprinting up into their screens. They're trying to create that little bit of separation between their defender. And then each of those steps continues to create an advantage for the offense. And that's where you get into those disadvantaged situations for a defense that's going to force you to foul. So again, these young players, I think of a guy like Teo Maladon. If he can get back, if he can get set in position, if he can know where the screen is going to come from, that gives him such a better opportunity to hustle around the top of the screen, pressure on that backside, get the rear view contest, stay chest to chest, chest to shoulder, and keep those hands out and wide where the referees can see. And that is a way better defensive possession than one where maybe you're chasing and you're trying desperately to get back in front of the ball, get back into the play. And of course, when you're going a little bit out of control, you're going to bump into somebody. You're mm-hmm. going to not be able to stop on a dime. And it's going to be a lot more difficult to not foul.
1: Certainly takes a lot of discipline. Coach Dagnall said this yesterday in practice, that he was really pleased with how the guys were kind of able to course correct and calibrate, so to speak, during the game, which is really important for a team that has so many new faces like the Thunder has and a lot of young players in this situation, because you don't want to always have to make those adjustments the day after a game. You don't want to always have to go back and look at the film and put things together on a practice floor when you can kind of fix those things in game. And we saw that with this Thunder team against Charlotte. They went into halftime. Coach challenged them, said, you got to bring it defensively, make them feel you defensively. And they came out in the third quarter. They were more disciplined on the defensive end, less fouls, and they were also forceful which led to a lot more flow and rhythm for them offensively. So that's the good news for the Thunders, that they showed signs of being able to course correct throughout the game.
0: And guess what, Paris? They're going to get a chance to do that same thing again tonight against the Utah Jazz and two more times later this week.
1: And here's why that's so important, Nick, because that is probably the last time that the Thunder is going to have more than one day or two days between games. There's not going to be a lot of time where you can really dive into the film and really dive into the practice floor and make a lot of adjustments. You have to be able to make adjustments on the fly, in the game, and as quickly as possible because there are going to be a lot of short turnarounds this season and a lot of, a lot of back-to-backs and opportunities for this team to learn on the fly. The Thunder like we mentioned has a game tonight has the opportunity here to put that work that they learned and all the lessons that they learned to the test against Utah tonight but it's the beginning of their first back-to-back of the season Nick then they go against Orlando on Tuesday followed by a New Year's Eve matchup against New Orleans at home so The Thunder's got three games in four days here. Not only is this important for, you know, kind of applying the lessons that they learned, but it's also a good chance for these young guys to kind of get into the grind of what an NBA season requires.
0: Yeah, you think about a lot of these leagues overseas. I mean, I remember Mike Muscala telling us that when he was playing in Spain, they played once a week. And here's a stretch of three games in four days for some of these young players who've never had that before. I loved what Mark Dagnalt said after practice yesterday. He said, we're not going to run these guys till the wheels fall off. We've got some depth that we'd like to test out. We'd like to give these guys an opportunity to play, find out what we have on this team. And so I think we'll see continuation of that where maybe there's sort of a set rotation heading into the game. And sometimes that can change night to night. But you're going to see 10 guys, 9 guys at least playing, you know, significant minutes and trying to get guys settled somewhere in the in the twenties and you know, high twenties, early thirties and, and that type of situation. Because you got these teams coming in back to back to back here and everybody is just so competitive. Paris, let's start with Utah.
1: Let's do it. I mean, Utah, they split their first two games, but this is a team that the Thunder is very familiar with, led by Donovan Mitchell, anchored in the paint by Rudy Gobert. This is really going to be a test for the Thunder to not just like hunker down and and get in on the defensive end with a guy like Rudy Gobert, who's going to get on the glass. He averaged a, about a double-double last season, a two-time defensive player of the year it's also going to be a matter of finding your offensive flow throughout the game against a really disruptive defensive team like Utah.
0: Yeah. Gobert, I think is averaging like 17 rebounds a game already uh, in this early going here Mm -hmm. of the season. The jazz have out rebounded their opponents big time uh, by nearly 20, the first two games a piece. So that is going to be a massive, massive issue for the Thunder in this game. OKC plays a much smaller style. Their bigs mm-hmm. are Al Horford and, and Mike Muscala, not, not exactly twin towers down there the way that the Jazz are going to roll out Derek Favors behind Rudy Gobert. and, right. and But I do think, as you mentioned, the Thunder is very familiar with this Jazz team. Kind of an interesting dynamic. Utah and Orlando coming up, they're basically bringing their same teams back from years yeah. past. Favors is an addition to Utah, but he'd played there for such a long time earlier in his career. He's going to kind of fit in already mm-hmm. with what Quinn Snyder and them want to do. Orlando, they're basically bringing back their entire team. A couple nights after that, Thunder hosts New Orleans at home. That is a completely new look squad. They've got Zion in the mix where they didn't really have him for most of the year last year. Steven Adams, we know him well. Eric Bledsoe, you know, that is just going to be a completely different situation from a scouting perspective so really interesting for this team to come off that charlotte game where they were playing completely differently than they had in years past then you get two teams that okay i think we at least know what we're looking at here (laughs) based on last season and then another another opportunity to play a team that's more of a wild card
1: nick this is this is interesting and I, i bring this up because you and i talked about this the other day is that when you're in this early part of the season and you and i we do a lot of research and scouting on on opponents It's hard to get a a grip on what you're going to face with your opponent this early in the season because stats are just so blown out of proportion. You've got guys who are averaging, you know, 23 rebounds a game because they've only played one game so far. So, I mean, there is some value, like you're mentioning, with teams like Utah and Orlando who are kind of bringing back the same team. You can go back and look at that last season stats and last season film. And get a good feel of what you're going to face in this next stretch versus a team like New Orleans, where you're probably going to have to really dive into the film.
0: Yeah, just as you know, a little bit of insight into our broadcast procedure here. Like with Utah, with Orlando, I'm going to be including all of their team stats from last season because those I feel are very pertinent. Uh, whereas with New Orleans, with Charlotte those things weren't necessarily that pertinent because those teams are going to be playing completely differently it was more about you know what are they doing now what what did they look like in the preseason and and so it'll be uh, it'll be cool tonight to see the thunder go up against a team that's really established they've not shot the ball well yet this season paris but we know that they can and that that's coming so the thunder's guards are going to have to be really really on point that's something hami talked to us about just with those gunners in the in the Utah backcourt they've got to be ready all 48 minutes
1: and they're coming off the bench too. You got a guys like Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench just ready to rock and roll for that group has been a really big key for them off of the bench but like you mentioned Nick one one matchup that I'll be looking at in this Utah game is Rudy Gobert and Al Horford for the Thunder two anchors for their team respectively but like you mentioned a big height difference but and and a little bit of a skill set difference offensively you've got Gobert who's really good right around the rim pick and roll specialist but then you have a guy like Al Horford who we've seen through the preseason can really stretch that floor get to his spots and is really good in that pick and pop situation
0: that's going to be the most crucial dynamic in the game because if the Thunder can get Gobert pulled away from the rim with Horford shooting that's going to open some other things up if Gobert feels like he can sit back well Horford's going to have some wide open shots and so that's going to be this dance that's played all night long how can Gobert defend the three by Horford but then also stay attached to the rim to prevent those dribble drives those attacks by SGA and others
1: It's our first segment of You Can Shay That Again of the new podcast season. And Nick, it's so important that we do this today because in the post-game interviews of that Charlotte game, there were a couple of common themes throughout every single interview that we had with a Thunder player or Coach Dagnall. And one of those terms was, it's a 48-minute game. Every single player that we interviewed said that at least one time. And the second one is, This team has a what else mentality. Nick, what does that mean? What is a what else mentality?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad that you want to start with this one because that's the one that really stuck out to me. George Hill, right off the bat in his interview, said it multiple times that basically when things aren't going the right way, if we're not defending well, if we're not shooting the ball well, what else can we do? We have to have that mentality is what he was saying about him and his teammates of you know, how can we dig in a little bit deeper? How can we be more connected on the floor? How can we make the extra pass? How can we be more tied on a string defensively? What are the other things around the edges if shots aren't falling that we can do? And that's just basically being resourceful on the mm-hmm. floor, looking at what you have as opposed to looking at what you don't have going for you on a given night.
1: That's right. And then the second one, it's a 48-minute game. I mean, this is something that we've heard coaches say throughout training camp, preseason games, and just practices in general, is that he wants his team to approach this with a broad view every game, that it's a 48-minute game. It's a long game. So what you you do on the floor has to be able to be sustained throughout the entire game.
0: Yeah. And so much of that is the mental approach. And Paris, I think Sometimes it's a 48 minute game can sound trite, but it's actually something that a player like SGA has literally worked on over the last few months with Mark Dagnall of having that bounce back ability mentally to shake off tough plays, to shake off uh, turnovers or miss shots or miss free throws and not let that carry over into the next possession. And so having that next play mental framework was what allowed Shea to get that shot off come into that next possession with nine seconds to go and have his head completely cleared. And we actually saw it on the broadcast. There was a nice little moment as we came either went to break or came out of break where you could see Shea literally processing in real time the turnovers, the shots that had just fallen for Charlotte, and then flushing that and saying, mm-hmm. okay, it's time for me to go. And, and I just thought that was so cool to, to see the mental approach on display, regardless of whether that shot fell or not, Paris. Shea was mentally in the right place and ready to go get that look, find it, and take it.
1: And that is so much easier said than done. In real time, like you mentioned, Nick, imagine being in the fourth quarter. Your team just blew a 13-point lead, and now there are only seconds left on the clock. You just missed a couple of free throws yourself. You just turned the ball over yourself, and now you have some responsibility to bring the ball up the floor and knock down a shot to keep the game alive and for your team to win the game. That is a really tough task to complete, knowing that, you know, you just had a few possessions and a few, you know, situations where you messed up a couple of times. Being able to turn that away, throw it away, and come into your, your next possession completely clear thought and relying on the practice that you have already as a player, that is a really, really tough thing to do in real time it's one thing to do it from game to game but from possession to possession that's a tough thing to do and I think it says a lot about Shea and this team
0: and then the next step for guys like Shea for for any player in this league is can you do that on an even bigger meta level after two or three games that have not gone your way can you come back with the right mental approach to that fourth game and not be chasing it and trying to do too much and and so desperate can you have the right positive attitude to not get down on yourself and down on your team when things haven't gone well for you for the last week or two. So that's something that we should just continue to look for and watch for because that's what the thunder is evaluating. They're evaluating the approach, not the results.
1: It is now that point in our podcast where we wanna bless your timeline. And Nick, I'll tell you, it blessed all of our timelines to see Shay doing a little something to bring a little extra brightness to the holidays this season. He partnered up with an organization called Team to donate some toys for some kids this holiday season. But the best part of all of this, Nick, was on Christmas Eve, Shay actually FaceTimed with those kids. They got their presence and they got, he got to talk to them and kind of learn their what they like to do, their hobbies. And it was just so cool to see him interact in that sort of way and bring a little extra holiday cheer this season.
0: That's always on the Thunder's agenda as an organization is to try to get out into the community around the holidays, just knowing how many people don't get to have as special of, of a time as they would want to. And so to see one of the Thunder's players, kind of one of its, its young leaders step up and do the same thing, follow suit on his own, was really special as well. Shea showing that he's just, he's a stand-up guy, both on and off the floor.
1: And TEAM is a local organization in Oklahoma City that works to break cycles of poverty and incarceration through education, personal development, and uh, employment opportunities. And so obviously this this year has been tough for everybody around the country, around the globe, really. But it, it really it has affected communities in poverty just that 10 times more. So for Shay to do something like this, especially this season, it's extremely impactful. And I imagine made those kids really, really happy this season.
0: And it's just a reminder for the Thunder, for its players, that The reason why we all do this, that we can do this is the fans and the people that support us and the people in our cities. So we're very, very grateful for all of them.
1: That's all for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.